We're going to jump in the Word. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're going to do something every, for a while there, for every, every year or two, I, was, I would do this spiritual checkup. where We would just look at our lives and say, are we different than we were last year? And this past year, this past couple of weeks, uh, I was at a conference, the staff, we were at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about the spiritual disciplines we've been going over. We've been talking about life and, and, and how things change. And we look back and say, you know what, are we different than we were a couple of years ago? Are we different as a church? Are we different as individuals? And sometimes it's good for you to look back and say, okay, am I, where am I compared to where I was? Because if you see a lot of growth, it encourages you. You're like, hey. But if you look back and you see that there's not been a lot of growth, then it helps you know, okay, there's, there's, something, there's something happening where I'm not seeing this growth. What am I missing? Both ways can be beneficial. That we can open ourselves up to say, listen, we need to grow. And it's just a checkup. Today we're just doing a checkup. And I'm asking you, I want you, if you don't have a pen, I want you to find a pen. Ushers, I know I put you on the spot here, but grab some pens because we're going to answer these questions as we go. I don't want you to answer them already. Wait till we start talking about it. Um, if you need a pen, uh, raise your hand and uh, someone, we can try to find a pen. Uh, but we're going to actually do a little bit of work here. All right. Anybody need a pen? Look at all you already prepared. We need one over here. Anybody else? Over here, just throw them. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yep, right there. All right, got one. Anybody else? Yeah, we're going to do some work. Have a little classroom set up. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. My responsibility as pastor, I also have responsibility as just a regular child of God, just, just like all of us are. But I do have a responsibility in this role as a pastor to make sure that I equip you and help you and all of us as saints <clears throat> to build up the body of Christ. So build up the Christ. Then it says, this will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and in our knowledge of God's Son that we will be, what's the next word? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever because they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When I read this uh, this week again, I was looking over it, and here's what it, the two words that are in it. One is that we grow mature, and then it says that we won't be like children, immature. Okay, how many of you can look back at times in your life and you made immature decisions? Okay, you made a decision and, you, and, and all of a sudden you realize that just wasn't smart. And as you have 
grown, you understand that there are better decisions that you can make. That if you were to make that decision again, you'd make a different one. Why? Because you've grown. You've grown. I, I, I made decisions growing up that were horrible decisions. I thought I could parachute off my roof. Didn't work. With a bed sheet. Didn't work. I would not try that today. I've grown. I understand. There was decisions I made as far as, you know, this is how I'm going to handle this situation. I'm going to let them know exactly what I feel. And, you know, and I wouldn't do that again. As children, we think sometimes that, that you know, if we, if we uh, do this, we're not going to get caught, right? And you think you're going to get away with something. Can I just tell you? My dad said it to me, son, be sure your sins, exactly, they will find you out. 11 years old, I took my dad's car for a ride. Okay? Drove it around in a garden at a civic center. In the garden. The garden. Flowers and cars. I drove back home. Little did I know that while I was driving in that little flower area, the lady across the street called the police. I left right when she called, so they never, she didn't get a tag number because uh, the car was going in circles so fast. And, and it really wasn't, I just didn't really know how to drive. It wasn't like I was really good at what I was doing. And so I got home, I actually parked it exactly where it was, put the keys where it was. No one ever said anything. I had a friend with me because um, whenever I would get in trouble, I never wanted to go down by myself. So I took a friend with me. Um, but here's what happened. I'm playing a baseball game the next day. And we're, we're like 15 minutes away from our house at this baseball game. And I'm pitching. I'm a, I was a pitcher and I'm playing baseball. So I, I look at my dad sometimes that he would give me signals because my dad was a pitcher. So I'm up there pitching. I look over at my dad and I see, this dad, I see my dad talking to this lady. And I, I don't even know who the lady was. I didn't think anything of it. A couple of days later, I know now my dad had to like take a deep breath. But a couple days later, my dad's at the office, which was, I mean, at our house, which was connected. No, he was at the office. Our house was connected to the church. So I'm at home. He's at the, he's at the office next door at the church. And he calls me. He says, hey, Scott, would you bring me something to drink? Just bring me a glass of tea or something? Like, hey, no problem, Dad. So I go over to his office and I give him a glass of tea. And he's like, sit down. I was like, hey, no problem. What's up? He said, uh, he said you know, if you ever did anything, that you shouldn't do? Do you think I'd find out? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd probably just tell you. You know, I'm trying to play it off, right? I have no idea he knows anything. And, uh, and he's like, you know, I mean, if you, let's just say, you know, you broke something. Which, you know, do you think I would find out eventually? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd say, yeah, of course. He said, because, you know, the Bible says, I'll be sure your sins will find you out, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like, let me think if I give you another example. Let's say, let's, let's just go crazy here. Let's say you drove my car. And I started crying. Ah! I knew I was about to meet Jesus. I knew it was on. And you know what? I didn't meet Jesus, like, but I got close. I mean, if there was any moment I thought I was going to see this bright light. But here's what, here's what I learned. You know what? God has a way 
of revealing things to people who need to know, who are in charge of protecting you and looking after you, that guess what? It came to light. So I understood at a young age that even when you think you're going to get away with something, you don't ultimately get away with it. First of all, God sees everything. But there were some things in me at that age, I was like, that was stupid. To go drive the car at that age and think nothing's going to happen. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't even think you'd have to tell a kid that. You know, but because of me and because Chase is a lot like me, you know, Chase is 11. Hey, don't get any ideas of driving this. But you just, you're immature at that age. You do things that aren't smart. Spiritually, there is immaturity sometimes that happens in believers that lasts far beyond just the first few years of life. Spiritually. If we don't pay attention and we don't apply ourselves, I was telling someone this weekend, our phones, they call these smartphones. And you know what? These phones are making us dumber as people. The phones are getting smarter. We're getting dumber. There's people that, uh, i got to be careful. <laughs> I don't want to always tell stories. All right. There are people today who don't know their way around because they're so used to someone telling them now. They can't even find a place that, like when I was a kid, you ride a couple times, you know how to get there. And if you're going to go somewhere, you need to pay attention because you need to know how to get there. And once you get there, you need to, go, you need to know how to get home. I've been places I thought if my phone breaks, I'm calling for help. Like I have no idea how to get home. I don't pay attention to what road. I just wait for little Miss Thing to say, turn right in five miles. I just go. So, so I don't even apply myself to focus on my everyday traveling or my everyday turns and stuff throughout the day because I have this. I just let this tell me, but I don't focus exactly on what I'm supposed to be doing. And sometimes this thing can be wrong. You know, it's, they call it smartphones, but I'm telling you, it just makes us, you know, I mean, and here's the thing. I was telling Chris this morning. I grew up. Memorizing scripture. Now people don't memorize scripture because they got it right with them, which is a great tool to pull up a scripture. But when I was a kid, either you carry your Bible around or you, you memorize some scripture. And every Sunday school class I went to had a scripture memorization. And if I, if I was confessing the word and believing for something, I would memorize that scripture. Because, but now we, we don't need to study. We got everything we need here. We don't need to dig deep into the word and memorize it and really meditate on it and draw it in because we just, it's with us all the time. So for us to mature, we have to just really apply ourselves to say, look, we, we got to take initiative for our life. And we have to look at ourselves, and I mean like really look. I'm not going to have anyone else fill that out for you. I thought about having your spouse fill it out or your mom or your children or whatever that would know you, but you need to fill this out. How are you doing? In these last couple of years, because we did this a couple of years ago, but these last couple of years, how, where are you? 
And are you seeing, I, I used the illustration before about that board we had at the house we would go to every year to go fishing and family vacation. And we had marks, notches on the board of how tall we were. And every year we go back and like, oh, look, you grew two inches and three inches. And, and every year, that's all we, I mean, there was excitement. Oh, we grew. But spiritually, where are we? Where's that notch we were last year? And where is it this year? So let's go through some of this. Look at Hebrews 6.1 real quick. Let us stop going over the basic teaching about Christ again and again. Let us go instead. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So let's don't just be familiar with, you know, we know all the, some of the head knowledge stuff, but let's go deeper into understanding and mature. Because you know what it means to thrive? If you call thrive your home, your home church, then you know what? Thrive means to grow, to flourish, to prosper. It's not, it's not a, thrive isn't a place where you, it's a destination. It's part of the journey. You're thriving, you're growing, you're flourishing, and you keep growing, and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what, that's what we are to do here. So let's look at this first one. Am I more aware of how much God really loves me? 1 John 4, 10 this is real love, not that we love God, that's great, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's where it really is. It's, not, it's great that we love God, but that's not, that's not the real love part because we love God because of all he's done for us. But God is the real love that loves us even when we messed up, even before we accepted him. He loved us and he sent Jesus for us. And then Romans 8, 38 and 39, I'm convinced nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And it goes on there to talk about that. But let me just say this. This is the number one thing that will cause growth in your life. If you really get a hold of the revelation that God loves you. We spent six months this year talking about God's love. The first six months, we started with our vision we talk about our vision every year. And this past year, we talked about how God embraces us and how God encourages us. We, we went through all of those, not how we do it, like, like usually how we've how we done it every year. But this past year, the Lord led us to a different approach of how does God embrace us. And, and so we, we started there, and then we went into this all through how God loves us and how it's unconditional and it's, and it's, it's solid. And it doesn't change. And the difference between how we view love and what God's love is really like. Because we say love, but it has nowhere close to the meaning that it means when God says love. And that's, that's kind of what we talked about. So for you, you have to look and say, you know what? Am I more aware? Not just aware, but do you have more of a revelation of the love of God? And the way you're going to tell, do you get up in the morning knowing you are loved and valuable and precious in the eyes of God? That he has plans and purposes for you. And that even when you mess up, you are still loved. You are his daughter. You're his son. You're his beloved. That's who you are. He really, really loves you. Do you really know that? Do you live your life feeling loved by God? So on that, on that, you have to be able to look and say, you know what? Maybe better than before. But, you know, some of you may want to say yes or no, but I'm looking more for, like, where are you? on like, one, I don't. Ten, I got it. Where are you in that one to ten range? And how are, from the last 
season of your life, this last year or so, where are you at now? Are you more aware than ever before that God really, really loves you? And if you are, mark it. And if you're not, mark it. Because that's, that's going to be your line to say, listen, part of the reason I struggle is because I'm realizing I still don't know how much God loves me. And that's the beginning of it. Because the rest of these can never happen without understanding God loves you. If you don't know he loves you, you're not going to want to spend time with him if you don't think he loves you. It's going to be hard to meditate on his word if you don't think he loves you. Because if you don't think he loves you, you're going to interpret his word a whole different way. There's people that see God's word as rules and regulations. Don't, don't, don't. That's just because you don't know you don't know God. But if you know God and you know God is love, you see the word completely different. There's no filter of well, how you think God views you. It's that God loves you. So when you see things, even if you see, don't do this, you realize that's because he loves me. He's protecting me. He's saving me. All right, so go ahead. Mark that one. Wherever you feel like you are. And we're going to go on to the second one. Am I meditating on his word more consistently? Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, in his word. Meditating, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. That's what happens. That's the result of meditating on the word. Is, is you, you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water that you bear fruit in every season. The leaves never wither, and they never die. There's always life. There's always good. There's always fruit coming. From your life <clears throat> as you meditate on the word. Go to uh, Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. What you think about. What you meditate on. On what's true. What's honorable. What's right. What's pure. What's lovely. What's admirable. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. These are the kind of things that are in the word. These are what we need to meditate on. Let's go to the last one. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. It starts with meditating on the word. We talked about that as a spiritual discipline, so we're not going to go in depth through that. But meditating on the word. It's really digging in and putting everything else aside and quieting all the voices and just you and God. And let the Lord speak to you. Meditate on his word. The word of God, it, listen, it's, it's, God's, it's God speaking to you. Was it written by men? As far as it, of penned by, it was penned by them. But it was from the Holy Spirit. It was God breathed into the people that wrote the book. So it's God's word. They just wrote it down. But it was God breathed. That's what the word is. It's from God. So when you see the word, it's, it's, it, this is God speaking to you. He can speak to you other ways as well. But you've got to get in the word. 
It will change your life. And because of, listen, I said this before, this is a great tool. There's times where I've been somewhere and I pull up the Bible app. Matt was talking about that known devotion. I've done that. It's a great devotion. And I did it right here. But there are times where you need to put that down and grab this. Because this, nothing else will pop on the screen while you're reading. Unless it's divine from God. And if it does, you better take hold of it, right? But you're not gonna, it's not going to ring. Alarms aren't going to go off about something else you have to do. Your reminder to get some bread on the way home, that's not going to come up. It's just you and the Word of God, nothing else. Just you and the Word. Just you and the Word. I'm, I'm encouraging you. I don't have a problem with people that read the Bible on their phone or on their iPad, you know. But you know what? It would do you well. I don't know if I said that right. It would be good for you to get your Bible out, to get used to opening your Bible, to flipping through. Because, see, now we, we, because we have a Bible app, we don't even, you know, it, sometimes we don't use this because we, we don't know where all the books are, you know. If I was to say, all right, ready, find Hezekiah, half of y'all would start looking. Hezekiah is not even a book of the Bible. But see, it sounds like it. A lot of people start going through it. I used to do that all the time, and it was so funny to watch people. And I would just wait, and I was like, that's actually not a book. And then I realized that I was making people feel really bad about themselves. So I stopped. But there's something good about getting your hands on the Word of God, just literally holding it and just reading. And let the Lord speak to you. Meditate on His Word. So look at your life. In the last year, are you spending more time in his word? Are you spending more time meditating on his word? Or has your job got busier? Your family got crazier? Stuff's happening more? And it's taking a hit. You know, write that down. Whatever the answer is, write it down. Because this is what you're going to be able to look at at the end of today and all through the week to say, you know what? I need to grow here. There's been, there's been a stunted growth in this area, and I didn't realize why. And then get in your word. I promise you all of this will end very good for you as you begin to allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reveal kind of where you're at on this. Here's another thing. Am I praying more consistently? You know, I know people that say, man, I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But I will tell you, too, prayer, I don't want, I'm not asking you to pray more as a ritual. Prayer is connecting to God. It's communicating with your father. As a father, I love when my kids talk to me. I love when they just are... You know, they come in and they're like, hey, Dad, guess what? And I, I mean, it doesn't matter even if it's just, just funny, silly. It's just communicating. It's that I'm a part of their world. And, and, and sometimes that's what it is. It just connects you to God. And then there's part of prayer that's listening. So you hear God. But prayer is also just, you know how many things, how many decisions we make every day? You make a lot of decisions every day. Just for your life. And you know what? 
God knows exactly what every one of those decisions ought to be. And sometimes if you'll stop and pray and ask, you know what? He can save you from some of those bad decisions. I'll, ne I'll never forget one time when I was going somewhere. My dad, my dad was at church, and he said, listen, you know what? Something in me, man, I just don't feel like you're supposed to go. He heard from the Lord. He knew. And I went anyway. 20 minutes into the journey, our car is in the ditch off to the side. We got hit. We're in the ditch, and the first thing I thought of is, I should have listened. Because I wouldn't be here had I listened. You know what I thought about? How many times our Heavenly Father will speak to us if we go to him. And he may say, go this way instead of that way. He may say, do this instead of that. And it may seem weird to you. And it may seem like, well, we always do that. But God may know something you don't know. And he may tell you something different. But we're not used to involving God in our everyday life sometimes. Even if it's about your job. Lord, I have a decision to make regarding my job. Lord, what, what do you think? He'll help you. I, 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 try, I do better. I still have to do better at this too. But there's been times when I face a decision here at the church or even as a parent. You know, and, and there's part of me that sometimes I can be really strict. People think that I'm more of the like, woohoo, and Patty's more of the enforcer. I'm telling you, it's opposite. When those kids were growing up, Patty was like, oh, they're kids. I'm like, well, they will not be like that, you know. And, uh, and I don't know why I was so like, Rrr. but you know what the bottom line is, is I understand that, you know what, I need the Holy Spirit to help me just as a dad, as a husband. How do I love my wife the way Christ loves the church? I need the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I raise my kids up? I need help from the Holy Spirit. How do I pastor? How do I lead people in difficult situations? How do I help them? How do I walk through things with people? I need help. So prayer, it, it's our source of help. It's communicating to God and Him communicating for us, to us. So, you know, you can answer those questions there. How are you praying? Are you better at praying than you were before? Are you praying more? That's part of it. That's part of your growth, just to look at it. And again, none of your answers are right or wrong. This is just figuring out where are we right now. Because if you know where you are, then you can get where you're going. The Lord can, you know, we just got to know where we are to know how, how we can get to where we're going. Am I more aware of his presence in my life? Look at Joshua 1.9. For those who are very, like, OCD kind of, you know I skipped a couple verses. It's okay, they're in your notes. You can look at them. Some of you are like, he didn't do uh, First Thessalonians. You're right, we'll get to it. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Then listen to this. For the Lord your God is with you, say the last part, wherever you go. Let's look at the Hebrews one right there. Hebrews 13, 5, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have, for God said, I will never fail you. And then he says this, I will never abandon you. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So are you more aware in your life that you have the presence of God with you? I, that's one thing I could say I'm more aware of, 
I know I probably still have to grow even more in it, but I'm telling you, it just, it blesses me to know there's not a moment of a day that I'm alone. I have the Spirit of God with me. And I told you sometimes I could be a little bit weird, but sometimes what helps me is there's been times where I'll buckle the seatbelt in the passenger seat just as a reminder, God, you're with me. I'm not by myself. And I can talk, and, 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 and he can help me, and, and, and we can do life together. But just knowing that he's with me, I told you before, I'm stronger, good and bad, when I have people around me. There's certain things that I did when I was younger, and I got in trouble, but I can tell you that every time I got in trouble, I had other people with me. I was a freshman in Bible college, and we were, playing, we were, we were doing some little pranks at night, and, and, I, and I, got, you know, I got in trouble, and so there was a lot of times in Bible college, they put you in your dorm room you know, over the weekend, it was kind of like restriction or Solitary confinement, however you want to word it. Uh, but anyway, there was times in Bible college, that even as a freshman, I was still kind of rowdy and whatever. And I, I loved Jesus. I just didn't, I just had a lot of fun and sometimes crossed the line a little. So in that, the, my freshman year, I was in trouble. Not anything majorly rebellious, just more mischief stuff. And, um, and my sophomore, or the end of the freshman year, they're announcing RAs, which are for the next year, who's going to be in charge of the dorm. So as a joke, a bunch of us put our names in. So I put my name in knowing, you know, I'm the one that's been in trouble all year. So uh, I get called to the president's office of the Bible college. That was a smaller Bible college, so don't think of, it's not like the president, I'd be called to the president's office at UNC Charlotte or anything like that, but so anyway, I go to the president's office, and I'm sitting there, and with me is a guy who's in charge of the dorms. And it, or, again, my freshman year, I'm not his favorite person. Um, so we're sitting there, and the president looks right at me. And Dr. Brackett, he says, he says, Scott, we have a problem. And I said, okay. I said, do you need my help, or am I the problem? He said, both. And I was like, all right. He says, here's the deal. The faculty and staff all got together to go over who the best, who we think would be the best RAs. And your name came up. And everybody thinks you would be a great RA. But you have caused a lot of headaches for this man beside you. So here's the question. Can you take your leadership skills and leading people the wrong way? And can you turn that and lead them the right way? In which I replied, yes. And he said, okay. And we talked a few more minutes, and, and I apologized to Clint, who was the room supervisor. And, um, and then we went down. The next day we had chapel. And I didn't know they were going to announce it. I didn't tell anybody because I still wasn't sure it was going to happen. So they're in chapel. The whole, you know, student body, like, we want to announce the RAs for next year. They start announcing, it says, now for the men, it, uh, Scott Jenkins, and the place laughed hysterically. <laughs> and then they kept laughing. And then when the, when the, when the dean of students has to say, stop, y'all, I'm serious. <laughs> then you know no one believed in me at all. 
But you know what? The reality was is what that president said to me was absolutely true. If I, I was more comfortable if people were with me. And I could, so if I'm going to go do something and, you know, go do some mischievous thing, I will get people to go with me because then I'll feel more comfortable. I wouldn't do it by myself. But if I can get somebody, you know, like, hey, will you do it too? Yeah, all right, then I'm bold and brave. But you know what I realized? That on the things that God tells me to do, if I realize that those things that he wants me to do are bigger than me, but when I realize that I have God with me, I have that sense of I'm not alone in it. And when I'm not alone in it, I'll do it. I'll go for it. And, and so sometimes knowing that someone's with you and having someone with you in it, it strengthens you. The Bible talks about their strength in numbers. One can put 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000. A cord of three strands, it says in Ecclesiastes, is not easily broken. Where there's more, there's strength. And that's part of knowing that God is with you. All right, so are we more aware of his presence in our life? Am I trusting him more? See, this goes on with when you know he loves you, you're spending time on his word, you're praying, then you'll, you'll naturally begin to trust him because you're going to get to know him. You're going to realize he's good and he's, a, he's, he's awesome and he's faithful and he'll help you. So it comes down to this point of, do we really trust God? If God came to you today and said, I want you to leave it all, I want you to go a different direction, would you be able to do it? That's a big area of trust. It's one thing to trust God when he doesn't, if he's not asking you to do something that's way out of your comfort zone. See, I thought I trusted God. And then when he asked me and Patty to leave our jobs with not knowing what we were going to do, then I realized that there was a part in me that I don't know that I, that's a whole different level of trust. Now, after prayer and fasting, and really knowing this is it, then we did. And do you know I trust God more now? Because at that moment, can I just tell you, he was so faithful. He was so faithful. And in those places where you step out in trust, I promise you, you'll see God's faithfulness. And when you see God's faithfulness, then the next time he asks you to step out and trust him, it's going to be easier. Because you're going to look back and think he was faithful then. He'll be faithful again. Because that's who he is. He's a faithful God. So do we trust him more? So ask yourself that question. Are you at a place where you really trust God more with your life, even if he's asking you to do something? Maybe right now that he's not asking you to do something that's out of your comfort zone. But you know what? That time may come. We ask you to pray for someone and you're not used to praying out loud for people. He may ask you to go to a stranger and tell that stranger that God loves them or to reach out and minister to, to someone you don't know. Would you be willing to trust him that maybe he knows something about that person that needs something right now and he wants to use you to minister to them? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to trust him there? That's part of this journey of trust. Do I trust God?
I, you know, and again, I've, I've answered these questions for me, and I have a lot of growth that still, I still want to see in my life. But look back at your life. Are you living a life where you're trusting? Were you able to let go of your stuff? All right? Am I talking different? Philippians 19, or Psalms 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O God. Look at Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Here's what it says in verse 24 and 25. Give freely, become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper, but those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. He's talking about giving, being generous, not just in finances, but in time. Give encouragement. The Bible talks about you'll reap what you sow. Sow those things. You'll reap it. You'll, you'll, you'll reap the benefits. But people who are godly love to give. Love to give. Listen, life is not about all, not, life isn't about gathering. Life isn't about holding on to everything. Life is about being a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower. He will bless those so you can bless others. That's how God works. And if you want to be blessed, be a blessing. If you want to be encouraged, encourage others. You want hope, give hope to others. The Bible says, freely as you have received, freely give. God is so faithful to you, takes care of you, blesses you, gives to you. And we need to do that same to others. If you, if you wake up grumpy and, and you're just irritable and you can't get past it, give. On your way in, stop through the drive-thru and buy someone's coffee. Buy someone a biscuit. Buy them an apple fritter. Do something. I'm telling you, you'll feel better because there's something that happens inside of you when you experience the joy of giving. And it's not giving just to say I did it. It's giving that comes from your connection with God that is more a part of your life. That you just love to be a blessing to people. Even if it's just a smile you give somebody. Even if it's just saying hello to somebody. Be a blessing. Am I more thankful? We'll go to that. We're going to talk about that next week. But are you more thankful? Can you, can, do you see yourself saying thank you more when people do something for you? In, you know, at a restaurant, anywhere, are you, just, are you grateful? Those words thank you need to be used a lot more than what they are today. A lot more than they are today. And then here's the last one and we'll close. Am I honest about where I am and where I struggle? This is... This is somewhere where God has recently taken us as a church of this whole idea of being real, being very real. It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with lack of faith because faith is what you hold on to to know that where you are now is not where you stay. But there's times when you're concerned about something that you need to be okay to say, you know, what? I'm just really concerned about that right now. Could you pray with me? Could you help me? And not feel any guilt or shame or condemnation because you have a moment where something, something is concerning you. There's been times, especially if you have kids, and all of a sudden you think 
They may be in danger. There's something that rises up in you as a parent that's like, God, please protect them. You're praying that prayer because inside you're anxious, you're nervous, or you don't know what to do, or you don't know, or you feel like you can't do anything because you're far away. It's those moments that, that show you in this moment, okay, because I have cares, this is what I know the Bible says to cast those cares. I'm feeling very anxious right now. I want to, God, I, I give you this. I cast this before you today. We need to create an environment within our own worlds that we can be absolutely real and say, I need encouragement. I need prayer. I need help. There's been people even in this church that needed help and would never say anything. And then we would find out a long time later. And here it is. I just want to tell you, sometimes God can use other people to help you. But if they don't even know that there's a need, they can't. And we talk about embracing and encouraging each other. But to encourage someone, you know, sometimes when we, when we come in and, and all of our answers are, how are you? I'm great, man. Awesome. Then we go, we go back to our car and we're nervous and we break down and life is tough. And, you know, I was like that for a long time. I just like, I'm a pastor. I put on, you know, just preach the gospel. But then I got stuff in my life I got to work on and, and I got stuff in my family and we're trying to grow and get healthier and, and sometimes we have our good days and sometimes we have our bad days. And until we could be real about it, Patty was more real before I was, but until we could be real about it and say, hey, man, we, we need some help. We never got it until we were real. And then we say, hey, we need some help. Then we got some help. And guess what? It was, God's done amazing things because we're able to say, Lord, we realize that if we're not real about where we are, we'll never come to you with it. It's like what Matt was saying. We want to, you know, just put this stuff out here like, God, here's the stuff. And God's like, I know there's something down in there. And I want to heal it. And I want to help you. But be real about it. If something is concerning you, we have prayer teams every Sunday ready to speak the word over your life. Ready to encourage. There's never a Sunday that you should leave here with the heaviness upon you. You, you always have, not only during worship and the word, but you have time afterwards to come up and say, listen, I'm nervous. I went to the doctor. I got this report, and I'm nervous. And these prayer teams are going to be like, they're not, I'll tell you what they're not going to do because I know them. They're not going to be like, ooh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be nervous too. My report was nothing like that. No, that's not what they're going to do. You know what they're going to do? We serve a big God. We serve a big God. He's faithful. He's a healer. He's a miraculous working God. Let's agree with you right now for peace, for, for hope, for restoration, for healing, for strength. Let's just pray right now. That's what the prayer teams will do. But if you never are real about the fact that you need someone to encourage you at the moment, then you don't get it. So I would encourage you even today, if you're going through something, don't walk out of here without letting somebody stand with you and agree with you. They'll help you. It'll encourage you. And then when they do, then you know what? You're going to walk out. You're going to be able to encourage other people. 
He's thinking, you know, I was feeling a little the same way. And then I had some people pray for me. And, man, I'm feeling all, I already feel better. Even though everything's not changing. I haven't seen everything change yet. Right now, I already feel better, though, that God's working. That God's on my side. That he is my peace. He is my strength. He is my source. He's all in all. He's everything I need. So you have to ask yourself that question too. And you know, if you didn't get it all filled out, fill it out at home. But be honest. Because once you know where you are, then you can look and say, you know what? I can see this is an area where I want the Lord to help me. Don't try to force growth. Let the Lord help you. Get to know how much he loves you. That's where it all starts. Then there will be no shame in revealing things and being honest about struggles you have. Because you know, hey, it doesn't affect his love for me. He wants to heal these things in me. 